Welcome to Real Talk JavaScript, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walleen, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to Real Talk JavaScript. This is the episode you've been waiting for. I know I have. It's the express way to fastify. And with that awesome title comes my awesome co-host, Ward Bell. Yeah, with awesome John on the other end. How you doing, John? I'm doing good. Um, I don't know how to walk very clearly because I literally fell walking to get the mail the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, you know, walk. With everybody staying stay at home these days. <laughs> you know, they, when they said stay safe, they meant masks, right? But, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. Your case, stay at home. Like, don't, you know, stop exercising, whatever. Stop moving around. Stop getting the post, oh, really. You know? I like this. No more mail. You don't have any scars on your face. And um, people who know you, uh, like, would say that that proboscis might be the first thing to hit the ground. Yes, it, it might be. Uh, my wife is actually quite impressed that my head did not catch my fall because uh, she was with me at the time. But uh, my arm and shoulder took the brunt of it, thankfully. Uh, so I'd like to say it was very uh, charismatic and very stylish, but I'm sure it looked a lot more clumsy like it really was. <laughs> so, John, uh, do you have some satin, uh, red, uh, tiny you to go here? <laughs> short, yeah, short shorts from Tesla on your uh, wish list because I do. I do not, but you, you may need to tell people what that actually means. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, you know, as you know, I'm a Tesla fan, and um, uh, I bought a little bit of stock just so I could play with it. And um, it's a, it's it's stratospheric. I think it's now it's ridiculous. It's worth you know the company's worth more than Exxon Mobil or something like that. Um, impressive, is, by the way. Yeah, it it, it is impressive. Uh, but people have been shorting it forever, and it's been a, a big deal. So his joke is that um, uh, he's sending all of the shorts, uh, all the people who shorted the stock, these short shorts, and he put them online, um, thousands of them online. He had them made up. Uh, you can look it up. And um, they all sold out in hours. So uh, I was wondering, John, if you were one of the ones who got red satin sexy. Uh, that's because that's what it says. Um, sat, uh, satin short shorts. No, I did not. But uh, Ward, if you Google that quick and shove a few of those uh, Twitter links into our show notes, I'm sure people would really appreciate seeing yeah, yeah, what the well, heck you're talking about. Well, uh, uh, I think it's it, it, it's safe for work, so I can do that. Anyway, I hope to be having some, but I can't, I you know, I don't know where I'm going to find some because they sold out. And speaking of red satin shorts, today's guest we have on today is return guest, Matino Kalina. I'm sorry. I hope you're not wearing red satin shorts. Oh, he's, today, I see. I see. He is wearing them, <laughs> and you look marvelous in them, Matteo. I only wish our I only wish our audience could see how good they look on you. Yeah, I'm perfect. You know, it's you know, it's so nice. It's so, it's so red. <laughs> and to give everybody a reminder on who Matteo is, if you don't know Matteo, you definitely should. Uh, Matteo is a technical director at Nearform, where he consults for some of the top brands in the world. In 2014, he defended his PhD thesis titled Application Platforms for the Internet of Things. Matteo is a member of the Node.js Technical Steering Committee, focusing on streams, diagnostics, and HTTP. He's also the author of FastLogger Pino and the FastFi Web Framework, both of which we'll talk about today. Mateo is a renowned international speaker after presenting at more than 50 conferences, including Node.js Interactive, NodeConf EU, Node Summit, JSConf Asia, Web Rebels, and JS Day, just to name a few. He's also the co-author of a book, Node.js Cookbook 3rd Edition, edited by Pact. And in the summer, he loves sailing the Sirocco in red satin Elon Musk shorts. Absolutely. <laughs> wow, I can almost feel the Sirocco blowing through your shorts. You see? You see? By the way, I'm really keen to to go out with with, with a boat. You know, it's uh, it's the more right moment of the year when you can go sailing and have some fun. So hey, and wait. And you live in uh, Italy, right? I live in Italy. I'm in Italy right now. Yeah. Uh, how is it over there? 
pretty nice, to be honest. We are all over, we are over lockdown, few K, few new cases per day. Things are pretty great. The most common number of cases that comes in are foreigners that fly to Italy for, for vacation or something, and they bring COVID with them. So um, at the, this point, there was a big, there was a big case of uh, some that went also to the New York Times about some uh, uh, Americans that took a private jet to Sardinia, and we bump them back. <laughs> you know, no, there's no way Americans, we want to come to Italy and we can't. Everybody well, so, else can. And the point is, and at the same time, we have the uh, all the hotels and so on screaming, please, please, we need more some tourism because otherwise we'll all fall, fall on our knees. Yeah. We don't have enough money and we all shut down our businesses. So that is a tough side. A little yeah. bit like it's a strange dance right now between, oh, we want some economy. We don't want cages and that's so it's a little bit off, but we seems we are on the, you know, let's cross our fingers and we are out of the nice, out of the uh, worst part, hopefully, if, if we that's, don't that's go. That's good to hear. Back, you know, back. I have, uh, I think last time we had you on, I mentioned that I, I have family in Italy, in Sicily mostly, and then some in, some in Northern Italy, but uh, they were having a hard time for a while with COVID situation. And they, they've also told me that things are much better now uh, in Italy, at least. So good to Pretty hear that. Nice. I've been going to the beach for the last month every weekend, so yeah. Oh, fantastic. So Fastify, tell us yeah. what what is Fastify? You mentioned this briefly in your episode that we came on about almost yeah. a year ago now, but yeah. tell us more about what this is and why people should care. Okay, Fastify is a, a, web, framework, a web framework for Node.js. Typically, you want to use Fastify for building uh, APIs on your, uh, for building APIs for your, uh, you know, web needs. So it's really good at serving JSON, essentially, and receiving JSON and receiving, you know, inputs and so on and so forth. It's also really good if you want to build a monolith or it's really equally good if you want to build microservices and it uh, help you move from one to the, to the other. So if you want to move back and forth uh, as many times as you want. It's also really good for its approach to community and the way it uh, um, and the way it's maintained, which is you know I want to to talk about this uh, very very briefly, um, and it's probably a bigger topic. So let's point it, and we'll we'll come back to that to that later. Um, there uh, uh, there is there are currently 136 officially recognized plugin. We are at version 3.0.0. And uh, it's um, being used by in production by a lot of companies. Some of them are uh, near from clients, uh, but some of them are not near from clients and are pretty great. There's a very, some very nice article, uh, for example, from a company in London called Uxnet Porter as well that are big users. There is uh, another. Uh, there are companies in from South America to India to the the States that have chosen uh, Fastify. Um, I've seen Fastify use where you care care a lot about somebody care a lot about the performance of their web servers, but also is very um, uh, is very thin, so you can actually uh, use it for both microservices and the and the uh, and the monoliths. So it actually can actually be used even just to uh, reuse the software and to 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 reuse the the, the software that you're building, so that it's. Uh, um, it, it can actually improve the velocity of your application. It has a very good developer experience. Uh, uh, regarding that, one of the key features of Fastify in V3 is we have overall completely the um, uh, the types for Fastify. So the two of the types uh, were have been completely rewritten. Uh, Fastify is written in JavaScript, it's not written in TypeScript, but we have uh, first club support for TypeScript within the framework. Uh, all the types were written by uh, uh, the, uh, Ethan Arrowwood, which is a collaborator of ours and probably a colleague of uh, John at Microsoft somewhere in some part of Microsoft. And, somewhere uh, in Microsoft, yes. Somewhere in Microsoft, <laughs> it's a small company, right? And uh, he basically rewrote all the types. And uh, we also use an interesting library called TSD for testing them, which I think is actually a very interesting approach for that. And I'm going to put some links down so that you folks can actually check uh, 
change things out and so on. So it uh, sounds like you don't like Fastify very much. You, you know, you, you have no. nothing to say about it, right? Well, you know, I know. There's one more thing. It's actually, you know, in on the uh, it compared to the, all the features that it has, it's probably the fastest uh, available. Other frameworks can be, you know, if you use other things, you can be as fast as uh, or slightly faster, but you have less things. Uh, one of the th- that we have a few things that are very critical for uh, web applications. First of all, is embedded validation data validation. You need to have data validation, and you need to have a data validation layer that can handle prototype poisoning. Now, you probably have been um, prototype your, poisoning. Yes, you, you do that too. What? Uh, what? How do I poison? <laughs> how do you poison your prototypes? You're, you're poisoning. He jumped right. Well, you up. can't. There is there is a library that protect. If you try to put like if you are sending a JSON as yeah. part of a body. Yeah. And uh, if you put down the pro- the pro- the underscore underscore proto underscore underscore property. Or really? if or if you put down the constructor and other things, you can actually poison the prototype chain and uh, do certain bad things about it. And that can flow over the wire? That could flow to the server? And you can flow... So in the worst case of prototype poisoning, they can actually take in control of your machine. In, in the easiest... In the simplest cases, no, not really. So, um, but you can still maybe alter some data on the database or other things. So you need to, when you're parsing and receiving the data, you need to protect for prototype poisoning. You need to validate your data. So when it's coming in, you need to check, okay, I need to have, you need to have these fields with these values, with these rules and so on and so forth and nothing more. And uh, it's uh, really, 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 really important on, uh, on that one. So you need to do, uh, so the validation part is one of the key things of Fastify. By the way, it was not my idea. Most of this was uh, uh, credit to uh, where it is. The idea of having uh, validation embedded in the framework was from Happy and there are a number. So we have took, uh, Happy, uh, have took that idea, but it's using JSON schema as the standard. And they have really fast AJV, AJV uh, library for it. Um, we have also developed a very simple um, uh, uh, layer, DSL, uh, domain-specific language la- uh, layer, on uh, on top of JSON schema. So, because I never remember the syntax of JSON schema, which is called Fluent Schema, and I'm going to pass the link in in the info box here right now as well. Here we go. So, this is one of the features. Then uh, it's. Uh, um, other critical things, uh, it's, uh, um, uh, it has a logger embedded. My experience with loggers, it has that logging is one of the most critical bottleneck in any Node.js application at scale, which is a very big problem. And so if your logger, if you are not, if logger, the logger is not a first-class concern of your web, of your web framework, that you're going to hit significant performance problems down the line. So, uh, and I've seen this in several times. Uh, That's because it's part of us. You're, you're, uh, people have to remember that, uh, that when you make a node call, it's a single turn of the JavaScript engine, yes, and now uh, you're tying up a resource within that thread. Right? Yes, but it's not. that's not really the problem of logging, okay? Uh, by the way, the logger for Fastify is called Pino. And Pino is uh, um, a, an, a logger for Node.js. Just Mateo, logs- Mateo, I want to interrupt you just for a minute because I do want to get to Pino quite a bit. But okay. I want to make sure we explore Fastify a little bit more. Okay, perfect. Uh, we'll talk about well. Pino later. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I love a good Pino at night as well. Um, I'm full of bad jokes today, by the way. So, <laughs> Ward, you've used a ton of Express uh, on the back end. You've used a ton of ASP.NET Web API as well on the back end and other technologies. Uh, if you were starting... And, and, you're and, lazy. <laughs> and And I, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I got Express. It's where, you know, it's kind of where, you know, I mean, why, why? Uh, yeah, and, and Express, so I'm kind of interested in the, in the contrast. I do sense, because you keep talking JSON, 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 one of the things that people use Express for is both to serve as a web API delivering data over JSON, but they also use it for HTML. I take it that HTML delivery is not the primary scenario for for Fastify. But uh, it works. It works very well. It just you know most so, of the stuff. Most, it's not what I use it for, but yeah. it works very well. Like you can serve file from disk, 
But if I need to serve file right. from disk, HTML file from disk, I am literally using uh, Nginx for it, which is yeah, probably right. or S3 or CloudFront or Nginx any- storage of any kind. Right. So people in Express yeah. are leaving that anyway. So so why would I give up my uh, uh, Express to to use? Let's box this for a second to APIs. Like I'm building an API, okay. uh, I'm a company, and I want to build an app. I've heard about Express for 150 years. Well, not that long. Yeah. <laughs> Why it, should I go fast so Express? The, the, key, the first important part, if, if a technology is working well for you, and if you don't have any problem with it, stick with it. Okay? I love that. <laughs> no, but that's, you know, from a business perspective, it doesn't make any sense. Okay. I agree. Yeah. I uh, I wrote uh, and I started I started the Fastify community uh, uh, some time ago, like in 2016, in, uh, uh, with the uh, with the idea of uh, because I had specific problems with how Express was uh, implemented, and uh, I have seen the impact of the performance of those choices. And uh, and the net result for me was okay. No, I can't use this. So it serves very very specific. Uh, um, and why why did you make that choice? Like I'm curious. If you can go back in your your mind of when you made that choice. If I couldn't use Express, I needed something else. Yeah. What were the things that put you over the edge? Okay. So first one, and this is I'm. You remember that I'm uh, first and foremost. I am part of the Node.js technical steering committee. Express, take the request and response object, the incoming message and server response. Those are the node core objects. And then they, they monkey patch them very heavily to do what they need to do. And this monkey patch, it's essentially, uh, you know, they plug into some of the internals of node core to do this. Like private, I mean, private APIs and other bits and bobs. So um, it doesn't, um, that I I don't like that. Okay, I as as a maintainer, I don't like people that plug into the internals of my things, and especially when they are so popular that I cannot change my intern my my internals because I will break them. So uh, the second bit it's HTTP uh, two, uh, HTTP two support because they plug into the internals. Express does not support HTTP two, and it's very hard. For, it will be very hard for them to do so. And, and a quick, if you could help our listeners understand, for those who don't know what HTTP2, what, what value it has, can you tell them what the value is there okay, for that? Um, it's, it's a new version of H, the HTTP protocol that promised to be uh, faster and you can actually deliver your assets and your API calls quicker to your clients. And to be honest, they've been talking about HTTP2 for, for years and, no, and nobody, nobody believes in it. I know, but anymore. it is a nice thing, exactly. I know, but that's a nice thing. They will have the same problem with HTTP three, which everybody is really excited about. Okay. And HTTP two is twice as good as HTTP one, right? But, and then HTTP three <laughs> is actually, you know, half as good as it should have been um, when that when that ships. But this speaking is not of about- ships. Speaking of ships, Matteo, it's now time to uh, have a word from our sponsors. So let's get on board. Hey, are you building apps in React, Angular, Node, or some other framework? Well, with NX, you can build your full-stack apps in a shared monorepo, integrate with modern tools, and reinforce best practices. You'll get advanced code generation and automatically configured tooling like Cypress, Jest, and Prettier that will simplify your workflow. NX also helps you simplify the relationships between applications and shared libraries to make it easier to share more code and develop more consistently across teams. And the best part is you'll build higher quality apps and spend less time on configuration. So visit nx.dev to get Narwhal's popular open source toolkit for monorepo development today. All right. And now we're back from a word from our sponsors. Matteo, you were just talking about the reasons that you went from Express, thinking about Express, to moving towards something else. Okay. Continue, the next, The next one, it's uh, the, the, the middlewares. The way middlewares are implemented. So I think the, the middleware concept is fundamentally wrong. Oh, really? Yes. Or just in general? Okay. You don't like middleware just in, in general? general? Just in oh. general. The, 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 that uh, request, response, next pattern 
is fundamentally wrong. The reason is that in Express, every single Express application that I've been working on, had, uh, you have maybe 20 to 30, if not more, middlewares mounted upon each other. Now, for every middleware that you put there, Express does three function calls. Most of those middleware call next synchronously. So I'm talking about a call stack of 150 functions. Just like that. Note that most of those middlewares for most requests are not active. Only one or two may be active at any given point. So essentially, your API, your system, is actually doing way more work for purely nothing just because, okay, this route needs to use this middleware, so I'm actually adding this middleware over there, and then every single route that you add into the system will pay the price for it. So what do you so do? How do you ahead. plug in? What do you do to plug in instead? What's your alternative? Yes. So instead, Fastify use the concept of life cycle. So you can have uh, um, you can plug you can plug in something into the life cycle of a request. So instead of having you know just a function that is called and the the request and response are passed through, there are specific hooks that are called. So this is validation time. So we have the pre-validation hook. This is the handler time. So we have uh, the um, pre-handler hook. This is this this is send time on send. Send is finished on response. At any given hook, you can actually change things. So you can change the payload, alter the request. You can do certain things. However, the nicest part of all this system is that it's it can be specific per route. So I can actually specify whichever part of this for any specific route. And this does not cost anything. So this is all of this is actually cost-free. So essentially, it's uh, if I'm not using any of those in any other route, it's... Uh, um, won't go through, you won't go through them, the request. You've gone through them, exactly. Uh, on top of this, there is uh, the fact of the routing of Express. So in Express, all the routings are just regular expressions, one after another. So if you specify 100 routes, you're going to execute 100 regular express one after the other. And order is really important with the express routes. Yeah. Order is really important. With Fastify, it uses a, a tree. So it's a, it's a, actually it's a Radix prefix tree. I hope I can pronounce this correctly because it's not, I'm, you know, uh, I tried my prefix, my, my thing to be, my English to be correct, but it's, it's not. And uh, especially with uh, accents and stuff. So this is the module that we use. It's uh, called Find My Way, and it's uh, um, uh, uh, it's implement a, a Radix tree, and it's really really fast, and uh, probably one of the fastest loggers out there. And so Fastify um, uses Find My Way with a Radix yeah. tree. Okay. Yeah. So um, essentially, when a request comes in, it does routing at the very beginning. Instead of having to walk through all the chain, it does routing at the very beginning, so it can actually select, okay, which are the hooks to execute? What, are the, what is the schema? Uh, what are uh, everything related to this uh, um, route? And it's actually deterministic. So once it's selected, it's selected. You cannot reroute. The only exception, the only exception is the not found link, so you can actually route it to the not found handler if you want to. This is... This is fascinating, too, and you're going in my way back history experience. Years ago, uh, I had to do an exploration of Restify versus Happy versus Koa versus Express versus Connect, even, <laughs> you know, a little more rudimentary, or even HTTP in Express, sorry, in Node. And one of the reasons that we chose at the time Restify over Express was because of its use of uh, this router. Because it also uses this router to uh, the, was it find my way under the I covers. I don't know. I think it's a new thing. So they use something else before, but they use, always use this concept. Yeah, this it's instead of basically at the time. I can't remember. I think it was Express three at the time. But I, it basically they went through a certain sequence, and while you had a demo app of three routes, it was always fast. But if you had two hundred yeah. yeah. routes, exactly. and you wanted to use the two hundredth one, you had to unmatch the first hundred ninety nine before you even and got to that one. If one of those is a bad regular expression, 
a complex one, then you are essentially really in trouble, really in big trouble. Yeah, and this became a problem, and that's that's one of the reasons we uses Restify at the time. And honestly, I wasn't entirely happy with Restify for other reasons. Um, and Fastify didn't exist five no, six years ago, though, did it? No, it didn't. It's just three years old. So hey, so it <laughs> began. It began on the on September. 2016, but it was not called this way. So I don't know if what was the first release of Fastify itself. So it's uh, it's actually, um, uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it's just three years old. It's just basic and incumbent. I didn't think it will, you know, I started it mainly because I was frustrated. And then I started gathering people that were frustrated with other frameworks. And, you know, you want to build one. And so that's where, when it came to be. Uh, so now you've got, now you've tapped into something else. All right. I'm going to be the, the curmudgeon here. Which but is... I have one more point to say on the previous one. Oh, so. okay. And then I'm coming for you. Yeah. So one of the previous one, the last one, the last thing that is critically different from all of this is uh, fast, with Fastify, you can use both uh, callbacks and async await, which Express does not support async await out of the box in V4. It will right. in V5, but it's not released yet. And uh, and it, this is one of the critical, and it's actually implemented really, really well um, in, uh, in in Fastify. So it comes at almost no performance penalty using uh, async await versus uh, callbacks. And this is one of the important bits uh, where it's uh, it's important. Also in Fastify v3, we have also shipped some very nice support for uh, ESM. So if you're using ESM for Node.js, the Node.js native implementation of MXB modules, you can actually, you know, leverage it with Fastify, and it will all look, will all look, work really nicely if you if you pass me the term. Word, uh, curmudgeon. That's me. <laughs> you, you want to explain what a curmudgeon is? Well, uh, well, a curmudgeon. Uh, think Clint Eastwood yelling, "Get off my lawn." Uh, <laughs> we'll put a picture of that. Um, <clears throat> So, uh, so here's the thing. I remember you brought it up, John Koa, and then there's Restify, and it's like there's this parade of things, and I don't even know if some of these things are supported anymore. And now, well, fast now that you've got three years under your belt for Fastify, that kind of makes you an old timer. Um, but the thing is that uh, again, I'm you know if I'm a stick in the mud curmudgeon, I'm a little worried about whether. What's the support going to be? How long is this going to last? You know, Express is the, you know, am I safe? What can you tell me about um, my risk of taking a bet on Fastify? So um, let's look at how the uh, Fastify community is set up. So Fastify adopts open governance, and we are true believers on... uh, uh, on one key or one key thing. If you have a bug, it's your responsibility to fix it. So the key difference between every most of the other frameworks is that there's no incentives for any individual being, human being, to maintain a Node.js web framework. Very little. There's very, very little um, incentives. And that's fine. However, if you the if you are get gaining benefits from a framework or from a library, this is, I'm talking about some big bigger companies, bigger enterprises, and so on. It's uh, uh, actually your responsibility to actually fix those bugs when you find them. So, and this is how we onboard new collaborators, new contributors, and compared to other communities, um, they where they have very low number of committers. It's uh, um, and the development is very gated with uh, Fastify. Almost all contributions, are, a lot of code contributions are accepted. However, there is a code review process in place so that quality is kept and so on. But on the other hand, it's very welcoming also for newcomer. If you want to learn HTTP, improve uh, improve a framework, you can actually step in and and help us out. And this is where it's one of the key difference. And also, Fastify is an incubating project. Is, is Fastify is also an incubating project at the OpenJS Foundation, as the, where Express is at at large project. Uh, the difference it's uh, over there is fine. Like the, 
for me, that is the the community aspect of it is one of the things that get me started. Like I think I thought, well, I'm not doing this. Like I have my itch I want to scratch. I have been not using a framework for a long time on Node.js, so I don't need to write my own. Um, uh, why I'm starting my own framework? Well, I'm starting my own framework because if I can have other people, if there are other people that want to. So I'm not the, like I thought about, I did a lot of the initial design of Fastify, but I'm not the first person that contributed to it. If you look at the, the, the insights and so on, the contribution graphs, it's my friend Thomas de la Vedova that did most of uh, that did most of the work, and it has a huge number of contributors, even active ones. So if you look at the number of people that have stepped in and done done stuff for the time, it's there's a lot. Yeah, I think it shows 270 contributors right now on GitHub. Yes, um, and Delvador uh, is the number one contributor, and then in your number two. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I wanted to show this because our listeners can't see this, but we're screen sharing for a sec just to show a graph. And I put the link into the show notes. Um, I want to preface this with, I am I look at all graphs and data with a little bit of suspect nature because you're only looking at one particular view. And the one I'm looking at right now is the NPM trends, which I assume is how many NPM downloads were there for something over a period of time. And over the last six months, it shows Express versus Fastify versus Restify. Uh, and it shows Express, and let's just pick a point in time here. Uh, May 31st, 2020 had almost 13 million, say 12.8 million downloads. And then Fastify and Restify were down around 110, 100,000. So how does that? I have a, a very, there is a very important thing to be said here. It's uh, so that was a day. It was daily. Uh, I will look at that. Was again, a daily or was um, uh, sorry? I don't have that open. Was a daily? Oh, it was or weekly. It's weekly. Weekly. Okay. Yep. So it's uh, in. Uh, I don't remember the dates, but more or less, um, what is being depended on from Fastify? Uh, from uh, sorry, from Express. So exp- that number includes main download people that use Express to build their systems. Right. And as well as development tools that use Express for... Anything that depends on Express, yeah. Everything that depends on Express. Now, Webpack, dev server, and the Webpack ecosystem, because everybody uses the dev servers of of Webpack, essentially. um, Yep, Vue, React, Angular, they all do, yep. They all do, okay. Webpack dev server is being downloaded maybe 7, 8 million Per week, right. So, so the point is that this is unconscious downloads. This isn't this isn't people making a choice. Right. It's just fellow traveler downloads, and anything looks good if it if you didn't know it was there, but everybody's loading it. And I'm glad you made these points, both of you, because this is why I always lead into data. With you can find data to support almost any perspective that you want. Really, um, what I think the best thing to do is for people is to not dismiss the data, though. I'm not saying don't look at it. It's good to look at this data, look at you know GitHub stars, but honestly, more importantly to me, when I look at something is who's maintaining it? How many commits have there been? Are they, are they currently maintaining it? How do they treat the community? What's the ecosystem look like? Um, what kind of bugs have they fixed? You know, what's the current status? I, I want to see who's using it. I, honestly, I could care less if it's downloaded a million times or four billion times in a day, personally. But I, I at least wanted to throw it out there because we hear all the time, and I'm sure you've been at presentations at conferences, Mateo, or you've been speaking where people show Express and they show, look at the chart for Express though. And, you know, I, I, so I at least wanted to throw it out there and give you a chance to respond to why not pick the most popular thing. And, and I think the point is that it's not that it's popular. You don't even know it's there. Yep. Uh, and what we're really looking here is, I think you're talking to an audience that says, hey, if I have, if I'm going to make a deliberate choice about my framework, now I actually am thinking about it, and I'm thinking maybe about performance and the way in which I do middleware or hooks, and uh, whether I want to use a weight and all the things that you were enumerating earlier. And now I'm making, <clears throat> I'm making an active choice instead of just reflexively downloading or not even knowing I'm downloading something. I, so, it, Express one of the key problems. Express is a perfectly fine framework. One of the key things that you can, that one of the key problems is that you need to add a lot of other things to it to make it really work well. 
You mean like middleware and whatnot? You need to add, to add a lot of middleware, but not just middleware. You need also to add a logger. And you can, you know, we can talk the topic of the logger. You can add a logger, but you can also add, a, um, you, you need to also to, um, for example, add validation. Validation, validation security, logging, body parsing. <laughs> such an important topic. And sorry to yeah. stick to validation being something important, but if our experience with Express is that it's really now you can actually develop things really quickly, but in order to get to production level or you know stable, it's there is one more mile to 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 do, and there's very little guidance on what to do there. We've been talking a lot about Fastify, and I I rudely and I apologize interrupted Matteo earlier, who was about to explain to us why logging is important and what Pino does for the logging community. But before we jump to that, let's jump to a word from our sponsors. Hey Ward, you know, I was building an application the other day and I pulled in this really cool UI component, but it brought along a lot of dependencies with it. How do you deal with that? I don't like that, John. Um, it reminds me uh, that the AG Grid, which is a uh, an advanced uh, data, editable data table that we use in a lot of our enterprise apps because it, it addresses the complex scenarios we encounter. Um, AG Grid doesn't have any dependencies at all. Zero dependencies. Well, tell me, why, why is that good? Like, what is the value of having zero dependencies? Well, it's, it's wonderful not having to wonder if while I'm pulling that in, I'm also pulling jQuery in or Lodash or who knows what, uh, in part because that's extra stuff coming over the wire. It's extra files that I don't know what they're all about. Uh, it means when my client security team has to evaluate this, they're evaluating AG Grid and not everything else that might be slipping in under the covers or something that we have to worry about there. You know, it's great to see this day and age, you can have a zero dependency library that does something like complex data grid functionality. So all of you out there, do check out AG Grid at their website at ag-grid.com. And we're back. And let's talk about Pino, which is one of my favorite named libraries out there. What is Pino and why? why? Why should somebody choose that over other options? Okay. Pino is a logger. It's the fastest logger. It's the fastest JSON logger for Node.js. Who cares so, about logging? Why would I want to log anything? What's my nothing. problem? You should not log. <laughs> you can avoid it. Don't log anything. Okay. I don't know why all those applications, especially on any system, they want to log the hell out of everything. Of every request, everything that they do, they just log. That and is they true. log you, and they log and they log. And, and we splunk it. We splunk it. And because everybody just, thinks they're going to analyze it. Exactly. Like nobody will analyze it. But, you know, as an application developer, whatever, they just log everything and forget about it. Okay. Now, whenever somebody works on, on an app, they, even if they have a bug or something, oh, let's add a log instance, a log uh, statement here, another one, another one, another one. You add, I don't know, a huge amount. Fine. Most developers think that logging is not cost does not cost anything. However, there are only a piece of paper can only be folded seven times. Okay, so essentially, the, the logging costs something. It's an abstraction over a bunch of things. So uh, you have an API, then there is a log machinery that needs to format your log line somehow, somewhere, and then that thing needs to be shipped on, on a destination. Okay, let's. And then you can even have a lot of wrapping layers. I don't know. I'm going to talk about Java, where you have the, the log factory of the log factory of the log factory to get a logger that you don't know where it was anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, and you know, when you start doing those type or those many abstractions, one nested to each other, logging start to cost a lot, because just a matter of you know you are calling all those functions to to log something and calling a function has a little tiny bit of cost. Uh, now that's not that's one part of the problem. The other part of the problem is that if you're logging, you want to log either to standard output or to disk. You don't want to log somewhere else. The point, the problem here is that if you want, if you're starting logging somewhere else and sending your log from your application to some other destination, what happens is that the logs are. Um, uh, you know, you're actually queuing your logs to be shipped. This inflates your memory consumption quite a bit. And by inflating your memory consumption quite a bit, your garbage collector gets under, under more pressure to collect that memory. And because it cannot, that, you know, that 
will bump up. Now, the problem is that your applic your application, it's the only, you know, there's no back pressure from logging. Like you can keep logging and you keep queuing data to be shipped somewhere or to be saved on disk. But if you are logging more than the speed of your downstream, then at some point you will slow down. And if the, the point is that you're coming and in the request per second, or the only way your web application can slow down is on traffic. So essentially, it will actually slow down on traffic because your, your, your application logs so much. There was a one case on the Pinot Tracker that somebody was logging objects of 16 megabytes of text. Okay, and there was a bug, and we fixed the bug, but that was not the problem. The fact is, there's somebody that logs 60 megabytes in their log for whatever reason they had to. But the, the, what I mean is, those logs, what you put down on the logs is actually you want a logger that is capable of uh, of working well in production, and that's what Pino is. So uh, Pino, how does Pino solve that? How does Pino solve the problem of not too little logging, not too much logging? So the key part here is that Pino has been written so that it's uh, um, whenever you do a call with Pino, a call, a call, a, a function call, for example, logger.info or something. What it does, it's uh, uh, that function is it's, so the full of Pino was is written so that function can be inlined in your original function call. So V8 will optimize your function call so that the logging is embedded in there. So there are actually no function call, no function calls in real in, at runtime. On top of that, Pino is built to so essentially we are removing the problem of all the abstraction of the abstraction of the abstraction that I was talking before. So because it's actually really, really, it can actually do the log go to the low level part really quickly. Now, the last bit is on the stream. So, so then there is, uh, so the, the logger gets stringified to JSON. It does some really quirky things to stringify things in, in the, in, into JSON, uh, down to compose the JSON by hand because JSON stringifies is too slow. I was going to ask so you about that one too, because I remember dying on stringify, uh, but yes. I'll, we'll come back to that. So JSON stringify is too slow. So we compose JSON, the, the JSON line by hand for a significant part for the part that don't change and only add the part that change as JSON with JSON stringify, which is really nice and handy. Now, the next step is uh, it uses in the latest release, we use, so yeah, also in the previous release, but you know, we use um, we have completely sidestepped from node core streams API. By the way, I maintain that so I know what I'm doing. I completely <laughs> ditch that because that's too slow for what I wanted to do. And we've wrote another underlying layer which has been really optimized for doing for writing to disk or to standard output in both asynchronous and asynchronous fashion. So you can actually flip if you want synchronous writing or async writing. And this is actually something very important because it's a very important part of your app. So your application, if, if it writes synchronously, you can actually, uh, uh, you know, your application will stop while we log. If the operating system does not have any more memory on the, on the buffer for that file or for that socket or whatever, you are, you know, your application is going to stop. Uh, on the other hand, if it's a sync, it will actually buffer and your memory consumption will go up. So you have the trade-off, you can choose. With Node Core, you can't, okay? The, those things are not, are not there and are not available. And this is the, all of these were actually like very important bits that made me realize that we needed some internal layer for it. And this is the, the internal layer. I'm passing it now So in the, in the chat. So, so I get the sense from talking to you, Matteo, that that I should wake up to Fastify if if I think I'm going to put my Node server under stress. Yes, because um, your stress relief, Fastify is stress relief for a high performance Node. Well, I wouldn't not like to be honest. I would not call it high performance. The problem I always my tagline on Twitter or whatever is performance doesn't matter. 
until it does. Right. The problem is that it sneaks most, up on you. <laughs> it sneaks up on you. Like if your thing is actually getting very successful very quickly, then you need it to be fast and not have problems, and then you are more or less in a bad place if you haven't cared about it completely. So if you don't know what to do to improve it, then you are basically screwed. Are you buying more cores from John? You're buying more cores, yeah. But the point that it is the so now this is a very interesting topic. Uh, I was recently working on an application that, uh, like, the, no application can scale infinitely. So after a point, you need to fully architect and change your system. And if adding more cores is a race to diminishing returns in a lot at at a certain level. Because then you start having problems in the number of databases connection, in scaling your database, in uh, uh, coordination issues between the various peers, in caching issues. If you want to have an in-memory cache, it works really well for small servers, not for, for a few instances, not for a lot of instances. So you're losing a lot of those things that, you know, by having, uh, by just being faster from the get-go, you can actually get better at it. Matteo, I, I want to thank you for coming on today. Um, it's been fascinating yet again. Really enjoy talking to you about all this stuff, especially because I have a deep interest in uh, Node servers. Spent many years building a lot of stuff, and I wish FastFi was around so I could evaluate it when I was building a yeah, large a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> it's pretty nice, right? It does seem pretty cool. I, I've tried it out in a few smaller scale things since we last spoke last year, but nothing large at this point yet because in my current role, I don't build large applications right now. Uh, I work for developer relations with Azure, so... But I do use it, and I, I found it to be quite interesting. Something I'd like for you to, as a before we get into our final thoughts to our listeners, to kind of give you all a heads up, could you kind of first direct our listeners to, if they want to learn about Fastify, what's the best way, in your opinion, to get started? NPM install it and start tinkering. That's the best, that's the best way to learn anything, so to be, to be, very, uh, uh, to be very clear. So, and if I have an Express app already and I want to get from there to Fastify, do you have a good migration path for me? So there is, there is a module called Fastify-Express that enables you to actually embed Express within Fastify. This so is I, can a get, I can get off, I can get off the, the Express drip. I can get off the Expressway <laughs> by using this uh, gradually. Take the exit ramp slowly. Awesome. I'll put the links in, for that into the show notes for everybody as well. Uh, we dropped probably 30 show links into the chat today, everybody. So definitely check those out, uh, including a video of uh, Matteo with a good buddy of mine, Damian Brady. I think it was from the Build Conference in one of your talks about Fastify. So. Ah, yes, long time ago. Yeah, we moved from Azure Pipelines to after that, there was this thing called GitHub Actions that became happen, happen. So we migrated from we made it from Travis to other pipelines to uh, uh, um, to GitHub uh, Actions when they did the the change the big the big change and the, that was pretty amazing by the way. So currently we I think we do fifty something or whatever like runs. We t- we test on three different versions of Node on all platforms, all three platforms. So for every single change, which combinatorial explosion gets gets pretty high. And then we also test for the different uh, package managers. So if everything works fine with both CRN and NPM, because from time to time, those are different. So, hey. Yeah, I will. Uh, I, I have the link to Fastify inside of the um, show notes, but I'm also going to put a link to the workflows. So if anybody wants to check out the Fastify workflows for the GitHub Actions that you're using, that's a great thing about workflows is you can actually like share them. And if you're starting a new GitHub Action, most of the time, I don't even go to the docs. I just go look at somebody else's workflow and kind of try to figure out what they're doing. Really good, really good pattern. At least I think it's a good pattern. So <laughs> if Mateo is doing it, I think we're doing okay. <laughs> hey, on that, as a final note for everybody, we'd like to end our show on final thoughts for our listeners. Could be on topic or off topic, like how Mateo and I both have a very similar watch band. Actually, the same watch band. Yeah, <laughs> it's very cool. Ward, where's yours? I don't wear a watch. And that answers why you're always on time. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ward, what is your final thought for our listeners today? Well, uh, I I was struck when Matteo was talking about how, you know, you don't 
need to worry about performance until you do. And and one of your analogies was uh, folding a piece of paper seven times. Uh, and geez, that sounds like something easy. I should be able to try that at home. So I've included a link uh, from a high school project in which somebody tried to see how many times they could fold a piece of toilet paper. And I think with a hydraulic press, I think they got to about 12 before they broke the press or something like that. Anyway, a fun link on folding paper. Fascinating. I know what I'll be doing right after the show. Now, hey, so. you see, it's, uh, consider it. That's the same, the same thing as doing as logging. Consider as logging. Exactly. That's a great analogy. Mateo. It is a great analogy. Matteo, what's your final thought for our listeners? Whenever you're using a library, choose what works best for you. In this talk, in this conversation, we have chatted a lot about stuff that I'm passionate about and I've built and I've contributed to building. Uh, we have talked about uh, some of the amazing communities. I'm, I really care about the communities more than the libraries it's themselves. So please give a hug to your uh, uh, open source maintainer because that's the person you need to thank. Whatever you're using, what, whatever library you're using, you have a few people you need to hug, and um, which is pretty nice. And so that's you know you should you know be careful about those. And that's for me my the, the important part. So um, choose what works for you, okay, and then know the limitation and study them. Just don't don't pick the 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 what in the first tutorial that you see because then you're probably going to get scarred, you know, or the first, you know, the, the top uh, stack overflow answer is never the first, the top voted one is one down the line. Okay. And th that's the one that you want, not the first one, the one, you know, not the easiest one, the one that really explains everything. Okay. So um, choose what works for you, first of all, and then, be careful with your open source maintainers. I appreciate that. That's um, honestly that's so good that I'm not going to add anything else to that for final thoughts today. Because, folks, you're not going to find a lot of people in this industry and uh, who are as honest and I feel just down to earth as Matteo is. It's one of the reasons I really love talking with Matteo. I love watching his sessions. Um, you know, whether you use FastFire, the technology he's been involved in or not, the one thing I really appreciate is knowing he's involved in Node.js Technical Steering Committee actually makes me feel better because you don't seem to have a, uh, you don't seem to be trying to convince anybody that they're doing it wrong or doing it right. You're just telling them how it is. And I feel like that's a really good thing in this industry. So that's the only thing I'd add on to the final thoughts is uh, listen to my friends here, Ward and Mateo. They both come from the heart. Thank you both for coming on the show today. And thank you, everybody, for listening to our show. Yet another week of Real Talk JavaScript. You'll hear from us every Tuesday morning. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Real Talk JavaScript. This show and all of our shows are available at www.realtalkjs.com with links and notes. John and Ward would love to hear what you think, especially about potential guests and topics for future shows. Follow and send them a message on Twitter at RealTalkJS.